Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight June Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pa pa pa. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? It's part two of the chart of the 31st of January 1980. Um, lots and lots of great stuff in this week. We, we had a bit of a look at it last time, as well as doing the top 40 rundown, which fucking takes off the episode up now. But I don't mind that. It's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's uh, a bit just of fun. Just re- read yeah. reading things out. Well, yeah. That's what you come here for. Bit of fun. Yeah. Um, see, we look didn't even talk to- about my girl. I mean, I, I always say, I was, thought... I was going to say, just looking forward to the two we're going to do in November, because some of that is just reading stuff out. Yeah. Off clipboards, that's my favourite bit. Well, we should call thing. it the reading stuff out tour. Yeah. But it's actually uh, called the Velvet Drain Pipe, isn't it? It is. Um, um, Ticket's still available. But my, my Girl by Madness, we didn't even get around to discussing it. I mean, we, we talk about madness a lot on this podcast yeah. and on our other yeah. podcasts. But but this song means a, a lot to me. I don't know. It, 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 all of Madness's songs, certainly the ones, the early ones off the first couple of albums, have such an enormous, like, nostalgic kind of power over me. But this Rush. one in particular... I always thought that this one was like, I think this one was written by Mike Barso, right? Yeah. And like, it's like poetry. Mm-hmm. And as I said it, he wrote this when he was still a teenager. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing about lyrics that fucking blows my mind sometimes. The simplest pop lyrics, right? Yeah. That are like the most emotionally insightful. Yeah. Um, you know. Less Strengths with pathos, and you sort of think, how do you, how could I have begun to have that emotional literacy when I was a teenager, right? Yeah. Let alone, I mean, I didn't have it, but even if I did, would I have had the courage to have expressed it openly in a fucking song or in mm. any other form? The answer to all those questions is no, and that's yeah. why, why that when I, you know, my girl is is like a beautiful. A beautiful little poem. That's what it is. It's like a, a beautiful, neat little meaningful. It's not like those. It's not one of these love songs that you got in the sixties, where it's just like "I love you, you love me, how happy we'd be, whatever." They're fine too. I don't need all songs to have powerful lyrics in them. It's not always about that. And this is just a beautiful pop song, anyway. But the lyricism in that song is just like I can't get my head around how someone could have written something like that when they were so young. 
Yeah, it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know whether they were like directly influenced by the Kinks, but it feels very Kinksy. Similar, yeah. Ray Davisy, the the lyrics, but kitchen it's, it's, sinky. Yeah, yeah, it's that thing like this is just what's going on, and I'm just expressing it the best way I can. And there is that. Yeah. It's, it's almost like he's, he's struggling. He, he knows something's not right, but he's struggling to kind of find the right words for it. But then I he think does. That, you know, the the it, bands like Madness and the Kinks, and you know. Beatles are very good at it as well. They, you know, like they when they write these kind of songs, you kind of think the opening line of that song is "My girl's mad at me. She didn't want to see the film. I didn't want to see the film tonight." Right? Mm. It's just like that's a, such a simple but powerful opening because straight mm. away, like you might have loved, you know, we were in nineteen eighty, so you might have come off the back of like loving disco music, for example, right? Which you and I both love, but the lyrics aren't very often. You might love the lyrics in a sort of daft, overblown, slightly camp kind of way, yeah. right? But in terms of them speaking to you in your language about little things that seem like inconsequential until you hear someone else singing about them. And when you mm. hear someone else singing about them, you realise these aren't inconsequential. These are the big things. These are the big things that yeah. shape me, right? And it's like, my girl's man at me. I didn't want to see the film tonight. I mean, fucking hell. That's still relevant to me now. I mean, I, you know... Well, that's it's the universal truth stuff, isn't it? And getting back to the Kinks a little bit and madness as well. I was watching a documentary about the Kinks um, Village Green Preservation Society album, which is mm. probably their best album. It's on Sky Arts if you want to check it out. Um, and someone on there was was saying it might have been Dave Davies who was saying that you know the Kinks had a lot of humour in their lyrics, mm. and some you know some critics like denigrate writers for having humour in the lyrics but humour is really hard to do it's really hard to do well mm. it's like mm. when people talk about um, comedy comedy gets derided maybe in, uh, when it's put up against drama but then drama is just comedy without the jokes so it's harder yeah. to do comedy than it is to do drama because your jokes have got to land and they've got to, they've got a hit so in the same way with lyrics drama's just like saying here's some shit that happened yeah and comedy is here's some shit that happened but it's funny and here's our point of view on it. Mm. And our point of view is unusual and surprising. Mm. So madness, I mean, not so much with my girl, but then you look at Baggy Trousers, which came a few months later on. Oh, yeah. And that was that was really funny. Um, but there was I mean, that was... I think Baggy Trousers was like one of the first songs I ever, you know, learned the lyrics off by heart. Yeah. Where you get them in smash hits or off the back of the record. Because I thought that was one of the funniest songs... You know, yeah. teacher comes to break it up, bang her over the head with a plastic cup. Yeah. I mean, that's still funny now. But when I was like seven at primary school, I thought that was the funny. I mean, like literally I'd practically shat my pants laughing at how funny <laughs> I thought that was. And, the, and of course the videos as well, which, you know, weren't as subtle as the lyrics. But you know what? Madness was Great just video. absolutely perfect for like people of our age. Yeah, and it's why kids still love it now, like we've talked about. I mean, me and mm. Len go and see him, and he absolutely loves them. And I remember when my daughter was younger, she loved them. And I remember, like, my nephews and nieces, when they were young, like, in the 90s, it was the same. They all, everyone has their madness phase. Mm-hmm. But, mm. you know, it's a shame when people grow out of it, which sometimes people seem to drift off because, you mm. know, this band are a fucking great, and well, they, you know, I, they're I, certainly in that tradition of the Beatles and the Kinks. I think I told you this before, Definitely. but I, I had this a few years ago, the grown-up phase thing, because 
uh, we organised a Christmas night out, me and my mates, to go and see Madness at the Arena in Newcastle. Mm. And it was something like eight days before Christmas, so it was perfect, Saturday night. And mm. um, we were in the pub beforehand, and there was about seven of us. And five of us started saying, ah, let's not go. Let's just stop mm. here in the pub and just stand and have a laugh. Because mm. we got together for the first time in months, and it was great. Mm. We're having a good time. And, that, and I'm mm. like, no, no, honestly, we've got to fucking go to this. I promise mm. you, if you're thinking about not going... You have to go because you're going to love it. And then at the end, they all come in and are like, fuck me, that was amazing. That was yeah. a brilliant night. Because it really is. Madness Live is just, if you've got any love at all I, for Madness. I, I don't think I've ever seen them live. I haven't, which is amazing because they you're were going all soon, like, you? You're going soon, Yeah, yeah, I'm going in December, yeah. Their man squeeze, I can't wait. I mean, I'm so excited about it. Len, Len's first gig. I mean, it's going to be fucking awesome. But they, so, they, swerved, they yeah. swerved between... They swerved between... Humorous lyrics and and brilliantly observed pathos as well because he had my girl which has got a bit of humour in it but then he had baggy trousers which is really funny mm. and then further down the line house of fun and driving in my car which were mm. you know really fun songs but then also mm. in 1980 embarrassment which Lee oh. Thompson wrote which is about yeah. um, the situation where his sister had a mixed race baby in mm. 1980 and. You know how it re- impacted on the family and everything. He was twenty-one when he fucking wrote that. The incredible. lyrics are incredible. That song. He was twenty-one. Yeah. You talk about emotional yeah. intelligence. I, mean, I think that. I think that's probably my favourite Madness song, actually. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's my son's favourite, which I'm quite one, proud of. That it's his favourite because you imagine it's going to be House of Fun or one yeah. of the upbeat ones, but there's something incredibly powerful about that song. I, I think. I think mine's either that one or One Better Day from the Keep Moving album a few years ago about the homeless people which oh, yeah. I now can't listen to while I'm driving because it makes me cry yes yeah that's their sort of later to my, to my mind their later era which is probably about like 84 or something yeah, like that yeah 84 that was yeah. Uh, yeah but I think you know that was when they stopped being like rude boys and started wearing sort of suits and their yeah. hair grew out a little bit and they were kind of cool weren't they um, yeah I was going to say, yeah, the embarrassment. This is, uh, I, I've probably told you about the time when I, I had a massive epileptic fit in Amsterdam when I was 17. And mm. I've, I think about it now and I think, you know what, I've always turned that into a, a funny story because it is quite funny and dramatic. But I've been thinking about it more recently and thinking, you know what, that was fucking really traumatic and probably had quite a lasting effect on me because it was so fucking scary. I'd never had a fit before, right? And I fucking yeah. turned up in Amsterdam, my mates, and you feel insecure, you know, because 17 really is too young, I think, to be off fucking in the and with stolen tickets from a snooker club, you know. Probably, yeah. And we've been, we've been gone for weeks already. We've been all over the Costa Brava and down to France and all this shit. So we rock up in Amsterdam. We go into this coffee shop as soon as we get off the train at 10 in the morning when it opens. And we've just got off a train that we've come all the way from fucking Spain on, right? Mm. And we get stuck into this insane, like, hashish. And everyone's doing that 17-year-old thing of trying to act tough about how much they can smoke. And mm-hmm. and I was never really big into fucking smoking. I mean, I never... I did it, but I never really was like one of these people who was passionate about it. And I fucking... Yeah. Everyone stood up and let's go. And I've just fucking gone down like I've just hit the floor, face-planting. And it was a severe fit. I mean, obviously, I only know from the reports from my mates, but... It was like I wrecked the place, you know, I'm pissing myself, thrashing, it goes on for ages. And I probably said this before, but some are, I was thinking I was with four mates, right? And I think three of them ran off. 
they literally ran off. They were stoned, they were paranoid, and they were like, what the fuck's Sam doing? And my mate Ben, who's one of my oldest, best mates in the world, he held held me down, and I I ripped some of his hair out of his head, which was funny because he was receding even when he was 17. We all took a piss out of him about it. And when I came round, I had a big fucking fistful of his hair. Anyway, that was really nice. So then someone else came back and they said, look, the others have fucked off back to the campsite. And we had these little huts. We'd rented like a tiny hut on a campsite with bunk beds in. So we get on this, and they go, we'll get you back. And I am, when you come round from a fit, you are battered. You are fucked. Your head is literally spinning. You don't know where we come yeah. going. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm 17. I'm in another country. There's no mobile phones. I can't call like one of my parents or my yeah, brothers yeah. or anything like that. I don't know whether I nearly just died. What the fuck is the matter with me? I don't know what's going on. I'm covered in my own piss. This is really humiliating. We get back on the tram to the campsite. I walk in and the three cunts who ran away have set up a, the, the Walkman. You know, you used to have little speakers that you plugged into your Walkman. Yeah. They set up and as I walk in, they're all sniggering and they press play and it goes, bam, bam, you're an embarrassment. Oh, fucking hell. And that's always been part of the story and we all got back to London and we were all in school going ah guess what happened Sam pissed himself out of fit and we all played you're an embarrassment when he got back to campsite and now I think do you know what none of that's funny it's all yeah. really awful and I was fucking shaken up and just wanted to go home but I couldn't say I'm going home because you think everyone will think that you're soft but of course you fucking go home you've had a massive epi and, and like it's really mental and they're just playing you're an embarrassment so for years that song was tainted, probably. I get, yeah, by I that get, memory. But that—that's—that's that's the culture of when you're 17, isn't it? It really the, is, it's yeah. The banter culture, and it's, it's that thing you just be afraid to actually, like, you know, express your you feelings. Just put, properly. You put up with all of it. You put mm-hmm. up with all of it, and I and think you join in it with it. Does, and you, and you, you, you join you, in? That's you your way of coping. It's often, yeah, 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 totally, and 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 that's your way of coping. And and I have to, you know, I fucking get dished it out just as much as the next cunt, more. So I can't whinge on that level. But what I do think is is that it does... There's no way that doesn't have effect on young men. They think mm-hmm. it doesn't, because it's just the way it is. But I hope our sons don't know. I hope the culture has changed. It might not have done, I don't that's, know, but... That, that, that's the thing. It's like you look back at that now and, you know, you probably joined in and laughed with it all. Yeah, well, you've got a different perspective on it now, but it's like, what? How would you feel if if you knew that that was happening to your son? Oh, yeah, I mean, it would absolutely it would kill me, drain you, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would kill me. I don't even know what my parents thought. I don't know how much I even told them. It was just such a different time, mm. you know. Certainly, my dad wouldn't have known much. He would have he would have heard that I'd had a an epi, and his whole thing afterwards was, "Oh, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't smoke weed," but then. You know, cut to a few years later, he's got this fucking young Doris that he's met in America and he's calling me up saying, oh, you know, this this new girlfriend I've been seeing is over and she, she really wants to smoke some weed. Can you bring some over? Uh, I'm going over there getting fucking battered off my tits with him and this young bird he's brought back from New York. And I'm thinking, <laughs> fuck me, mate. It was only a couple of years ago I had that epi in Amsterdam and mm. you're going, listen... Do not fucking smoke weed because obviously it, you're bonkers in the nut and it'll kill yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah. He, till he's got a bit of fanny at stake, then he's like, "Fuck it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was that the first fit you'd had? It wasn't was it? 
Yeah, no, I'd had a, I'd had a couple of what you call um, petty mars, right? Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Where like one had been at my coffin drop, which is famously mm-hmm. the worst day of my life. Yeah. But that was reported to me as like he fainted, but he was twitching, right? So, and yeah. then there was another one where I was locked in the bathroom, which no one saw, but I, I fainted and they could hear some like banging around. <laughs> Probably just thought I was having a really aggressive wank, <laughs> and and uh, oh no, sorry, I was having a uh, epileptic episode. Does, <laughs> is there such a thing as an aggressive wank? an aggressive one. Action packed, like yeah. you're sort of banging off the like, walls and all of that. that, that, that I mean, you can you can have like uncontrollable, out of control sex, can't you, with someone else? But mm. in terms of a wank, yeah. it's fairly self-contained, isn't it? I think. Uh, well, no, I, I mean, I suppose you can, you know, people do all sorts, mate. People really yeah, push I things guess. to the limit. I mean, not I me, I, I was always, I mean, as I've said, I don't wank anymore, but um, when I did, I was fairly conventional, kept it simple. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> I was more of a James Milner, you know what I mean? <laughs> Boring, yeah. Got yeah, I wasn't on. like, you know, a Paolo Di Canio or a Rodney Marsh. I was yeah, like James yeah. Milner. I was just simple, Steady, efficient, and also rhythmical. relentless. Yeah. Very Re- consistent with my reliable. ranking. Reliable. Always delivered results. I was just like, listen, seven, it, uh, uh, if it's if it's 10.30, lights out, and, and, I, and I'm supposed to be going to bed, you can be sure that I'll be having my nighttime yeah. wank. That's, uh, that's as sure as eggs is eggs. Seven out of ten every time. <laughs> yeah. you know, no fluctuation in performance. A wanker you can rely on. That's what they used to call me. <laughs> <laughs> You'd want him in the trenches with you. Jalapeño. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jalapeño. That thing you're saying there about um, different perspectives and everything when you're young and daft. I mean, I'm going to a funeral in a few days' time, and it's kind of like when you're 20, you're up to 25, whatever, no one tells you that when you'd be middle-aged, friends will start dying. You don't oh. think about that. Yeah. And it happens. It happens. Mm. It happens to all of us. And it's like, fuck, I didn't sign up for this. This is me. I mean, I'll accept it when fucking pals start dying when they're like in their 60s and 70s and things, because that's what happens. But fucking 42, whatever. Fuck that. Mm. And that's, that's another thing that you don't, you don't think well, about. That when is fucking, that- it's, it's scary. I've got a um, death admin question, since we're on the question, the set, death the, admin. The, the, right. the matter of death. Death admin, well, I was at West Ham, and there was a guy who we used. Who was part of a group, you know. It, you know, your, your group can be ever evolving that you go to the football with. But back when I yeah. was a, a teenager, there was some lads who were my brother's age who I knew at West Ham, and then my brother moved away to Italy for a year, and they were really nice because he went away. I was sixteen; they were all like in their twenties. They were men. I was still like a lad. And yeah. they sort of took me under when carried on taking me, right? Even though my brother was away. And I used to have a right laugh with them and they'd take me drinking for the game. You know, it was just one of the lads. 
and uh, one of them, really nice guy, I'm not going to say his name, really nice guy, he drifted out of our group, the group changes over the years, but we'd still all talk about him and remember things about him. Anyway, he must have been his 50s, and I was at the game, and I heard through a third party that he'd passed away. And I haven't seen him in about 20 years, but I was really shocked and upset because he was someone who was a big part of my my youth, I guess, at West Ham. And there's another group of mates who I know at West Ham who knew him too. And I said to the bloke who told me about this death, I should probably tell them, the other lads and my brother and whoever else, in case they don't know. And he went, yeah. He went, it's a lot of admin though. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you break the news of a death to someone, to a group of people, he went, what happens is you are immediately inundated with a huge amount of questions. He went, which you, in this case, you've just heard it through me and I heard it through someone else. And you will just be inundated. Suddenly, as the as the bearer of the news, mm. you suddenly are put in a position where you have to handle the... How did he die? Where did he die? Mm. Why did he die? Mm-hmm. Tell us. Tell us it. Because people Tell us it, are full of got to be questions. Armed with that. Yeah, you've got to be armed And with I'm that like, I don't know. I'm just the messenger. Mm. So I've got to tell you, and, I, you know, you might judge me, but I did not tell the other people about this death. You kept it to yourself. I've kept the... T- <laughs> I haven't kept it a secret. It's a matter of public record, and they may well Take know. now. Yeah. They may well know. Uh, they may have already known. That was the thing as well. I thought, well, if I know, it might have got back to them because there was all sorts of mutual friends. It's a West Ham family, right? So I thought, it's gonna. It, there's a high chance they would have found out as well. But I wasn't sure. So I thought, should yeah. I break the news? And then I just thought, I can't. Well, we were actually on our way into the stadium. And I thought, I don't think I can handle the admin. I'm absorbing the mm. news myself. I'm trying to process it emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure because I know that if I send that text out, Everyone just starts asking questions, 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 questions. Because death's confusing and people think, people respond by asking those questions. And the only, there's no questions. It gets the, it, it, it's an answer. It's like, he is dead. He's just dead. How, how, how did he die? Like. And I would just write back, he is dead. What did he die of? He is dead. Yeah. Uh, when was the last time you saw him? He is dead. There is nothing more to discuss. He's dead. And he's never coming back. So yeah. stop asking questions. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. So that's death covered. Um, <laughs> what else is going on in this chart that we're looking at? <laughs> I, well, I'd like to recommend, I'd like to recommend Dollar. And Dollar are at number 11 going down two places with I want to hold your hand. Now this mm. was Dollar before Trevor Horn got his hands on them. This is shit Dollar. There's two mm. there's two eras of dollar, there's shit dollar and great dollar. Um and obviously all dollar is tainted with shit slightly because David Van Deer is fifty percent of them. And David Van Deer mm. seems to be a colossal prick. I don't know if you've mm. ever seen the um there's a documentary about Books Fizz. I think it's a blood on the carpet. And it's when the, there's a split within Books Fizz and two versions of the group emerged. I think it was Bobby G from the mm. original group who went off and did his own books fizz and then the other members roped in David Van Deer from Dollar 
to replace him. Because he so looks a bit like the guy who yeah, left. He, he, so he was, was Buxtisish, wasn't he? Mm. So there's two versions of Dollar on the Road and they're arguing over who owns... Not, sorry, two versions of Buxtisish and they're arguing over who owns the rights to the name and all this sort of thing. And I, there was also a documentary, I think, about David Van Dyke because he, he ended up working in a burger van in Brighton. Did I mean, he? You might have bought a burger from him at some point when Probably, you were a student, yeah. I don't know. But um, he comes across as a, a colossal bellend. I think he was quite UKIPy as well for a while. He might have stood for a. He went UKIP on Celebrity Council. Big Brother, or maybe in the jungle, yeah. and he he got yeah. a lot of attention then, didn't he, for being a yeah. dick? Yeah. So obviously, Dollar is tainted by the presence of David Van Dyke. But the stuff that they did, kind of eighty-one onwards, was when Trevor Horn took them under his wing and produced mm. an album for them, which I think was called the Dollar Album. And there's some fucking brilliant pop songs on that. Mirror, Mirror, um, Video Tech, and uh, Handheld in Black and White. Mm. Fucking fantastic songs. But, um, yeah, so if you like pop music, go and check them out. But ooh. And then I think, no, the album that came out, Trevor Horn had already produced the singles, and then he got bored and he went off and did ABC, Lexicon of Love. So Dollar ended up producing the rest of the album themselves. Bad luck, good. Dollar. That could have been yours. And it's a could have done. it's an all time classic. But so there's some recommendations. There's another great there's lyricist, the, the, but in much the, more of a romantic way, Martin Fry. What a lyricist he is! Yeah. Although let's not get into that because he'll come up on Have another chart. There's, there, there's some recommendations: Dollars Singles '81 onwards, and the Books Fizz documentary, and anything else you can find with David Van Dyke in it because uh, he's a compelling figure, uh, hate watch sort of thing. So that's done. Uh, this has got Spacer at 18, which oh. is a highly influential song. In fact, I'm looking... Uh, after we finish recording this, we're recording this on Friday. Um, it'll be going out on the Sunday, I guess. But I'll be doing my first um, radio show for TFTM FM Turbo, which is exclusively mm. available to subscribers to our new Turbo tier. Uh, you get radio mm. shows, both request shows hosted by me and Andy, and separate music shows on Mixcloud by me and Andy. Andy's is out now. And uh, hopefully by the time you listen to this, my one will be too. And as I'm looking through this chart, I'm getting a lot of ideas for songs. And Ooh. Spacer, the, the vibe of mine is going to be very upbeat today. And right. I'm, I'm thinking Spacer is a strong contender. I mean, this is Spacer a highly influential record, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's Nile Rodgers, isn't it? Sheila and B. Devotion did it, but it's a Nile Rodgers project. Mm-hmm. Because um, he was in his pomp at that time with Sheik and Sister Sledge, yeah, and all that. Um, I've never seen Sheik live, and they're on Newcastle in a few weeks. I've seen them twice, and the first time I saw them, I think is one of the greatest gigs ever. They're, both yeah. times was great, but I saw them at O2 Indigo, which is the mini, the smaller venue, yeah. and it, yeah. they're just absolutely fucking astonishing. Mm-hmm. I need so, to go. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen them on festival bills on mm. TV loads of times, and it almost feels like that that sort of detracts a bit from it. Well, you know what but he does? He, do, he does all the chic stuff, but then he does the all of the uh, he does like basically the best of Nile Rodgers. So they do yeah. they they're doing like Duran Duran track, you know. They'll yeah. do, they do everything. So all the Sister Sledge stuff, Duran Duran. I mean, you won't like it because there's an NXX track he did, 
So you can go and yeah. get a beer at that point. I will um, do. Yeah, well, yeah. And uh, yeah, so you, you, get, you get the full whack. The, I mean, he'll, he'll, like do get, he'll, well, he'll, he'll do get lucky, for example, yeah. if you're a fan of that. Uh, like a virgin, yeah, did that. Let's dance, boy. Let's dance. We do that on this set as Mo- well. Modern so, Love. Uh, yeah. that, that, for me, was his best Bowie one, was Modern Love. Yeah. I know when to go out. I know when to stay in. Get things Get done. Get things done. Uh, now, that, yeah. the thing is, right, David Bowie, everyone's like, oh, David Bowie. Right, which gets a bit annoying sometimes. But for me, his Nile Rogers album was the best one, right? <laughs> fucking Bowie's lyrics, like some of them, you're like, all right, mate, calm down. Can't be thinking about space all the time, can you? You fucking loony, right? But for me, his best lyric ever is, I know when to go out, know when to stay home, get things done. To me, that is the spirit of Top Flight Time Machine. Yeah. And also, uh, Blur must have nicked that for Park Life. Park yeah. Life's just completely ripped off from that few yeah. seconds. Yeah. They've gone, yeah, my favourite bit in... Um, in modern love is that thing he says at the beginning let's just do a long version of that do you think Bowie will do it nah get get him out of quadrophenia to do it instead (laughs) so yeah I think I will go to to see Nile Rodgers and Sheik it's in in Newcastle City Hall as well so it's not like an outdoor Mm, festival kind of thing it's going to be indoor with a proper sound system and it'll be standing and it'll be great yeah fuck it I'm going to do that Instead of the new order gig that I didn't go to. Talking about um, influential tracks, then you got Rapper's Delight at 33. I mean, mm-hmm. fuck's sake. And at 37, an all-time great single. And, I can reveal, in case anyone cares, the number one favourite single of no lesser thinker than QPR legend... And founding member of the Chiswick Soul Patrol, Castellani. <laughs> well, yeah, you mentioned this last time out. Yeah. You, you touched upon this last time. It was his it's, go-to It's his favourite ever song, song, isn't it? And the beat yeah. goes on. And when it comes on, he does this special Chiswick Soul Patrol sort of soul boy dance Whoa. that he must have developed in this era where he shuffles his feet, feet around. But another thing that he does is he plays, and it's pathological, he can't help it. He still does it now at weddings or whatever. Because he was such a yeah. massive Level 42 fan back in the day, any song he likes that comes on, he does White Man Overbite and he plays the air slap bass. Mm. So at all times when he is dancing, he is whacking his chest with his thumb repeatedly. That's good because, you know, when you dance, sometimes it's hard to think about. If you overthink it, it's like, what do you do with your arms and your yeah, hands? Yeah, very true. It's you know the hardest I mean? part of dancing. It's the hardest part of dancing. But if you've got that in your locker, yeah. the air bass... You're sort of, like, flying. Yeah, and he you're holds flying. the other one. And the funny thing is, yeah. is that Alan Partridge did that, didn't he, in um, one he episode did. where he does a sort of a, an air bass solo. Was, was, was it in the film at the start Maybe of the film? It was in the film. Film. Yeah, I can't remember what song it was. It was Rochford, wasn't it? No, because he's in the car when he's going, driving along to that. Or, but maybe oh, I don't that's know. that's right, yeah. But yeah, anyway, Casmus yeah. did it because he loved Level 42 so much. And... He could only think in terms of Mark King's bass lines. But now he'll do, he, he developed it. He does it to every fucking song. And you're right. The arms are such a fucking minefield. In fact, it's a great thing for counters to get in touch about. Because I once one of our biggest um, call-outs ever was when I mm. asked people what they did with their arms when they were in bed sleeping. That's right. Because yeah. nobody knew. 
Yeah. And a few people were distressed by that because they hadn't thought about it before and then they started overthinking it. Well, my my brother-in-law, my sister's uh, husband, Bash, right, uh, he's American. And mm. every British person I'd ever asked, right, what do you do, especially if you spring it on them, what do you do with your arms when you're in bed, when you're sleeping? They immediately, mm. if their mind spins and they go into sort of an existential panic. And they're like, what, what? Mm. I mean, I, 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 I've never really thought about it. Oh, my God, now you've put it in my mind. I won't know what to do. I'll never get to sleep tonight. Yeah, and they talk about it and we'll freak out. And that's yeah. why I like asking the question. So my sister and her fella and their kid were over from New York. And I said to my sister, who's, who's very English in her sort of persona, I said, what do you mm. do with your arms when you sleep? And she, it freaked her out. It had the, it had the effect. She was like, oh, my God, what? Yeah, of course. What? Why are you asking that? Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, God, what a weird question, right? He's coming, and he's fucking smooth, right? I mean, yeah. it's a bit weird because he's my brother-in-law, but, I, I mean, I've got a bit of a man crush on the blokes. So he's just fucking cool, right? <laughs> he's, he's quite good-looking. And when he had, he had a motorbike crash, and obviously that in itself is cool, isn't it? That's really cool. Yeah. Not cool saying, yeah, Bash was in a motorbike crash and now he's in a yeah. coma. As it just, as it just got a motorbike, he's no, crashed the he had a motorbike well. crash oh. and went in a coma. And when Whoa. I got the call about it, I think from my dad, I'm sort of like, classic Bash. What a legend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen though, right? He was in this coma. They thought he was going to die. He's very handsome. He looks like Will Smith, right? But like more handsome, yeah. but similar. And he comes to from the fucking coma. And my sister goes, oh, my God, you're awake. I'm not joking. He opens his eyes, sits bolt upright and goes, his first words are, am I still handsome? <laughs> fucking legend. It's, oh, all, it's the yes. first fucking thing he said, am I still handsome? <laughs> and she's gone, God. yeah. <laughs> he's a fucking ledge but this is how much more of a legend than he is right I'm fucking my sister's freaking out because I've asked her what she does with her hands he comes in from the other room and he goes what, it, what are you talking about like why is she freaking out and I go here's one for you mate what do you do with your, your arms when you're sleeping without <laughs> any hesitation completely straight faced he just puts both hands behind his back and just goes, this, of course. And I just thought, of fucking course you do. You lie flat on your back with two hands behind your head. You shut your eyes and that's you out for nine hours. And then I thought, that's Americans. It's the internationally recognised symbol for relaxation. Yes. And that's just what he does. He wouldn't cross his mind sleeping any other way. He'd just be like, what do you do? And I just thought, that's Americans. We can be cynical about Americans as much as we like, but they have a natural self-confidence. And if you ask a Brit what they do with their arms, <clears throat> they shit their pants. They have to fucking yeah. go home and, like, and and just freak out about it for two days. You ask an American, no hesitation, they know. It, it almost takes us back to where we started with My Girl and Madness. You don't overthink things, you just do what feels right and mm. you just let mm. it happen. Mm. And that's what happens with the lyrics of that and that's what happens with... Um, if you want to get a good night's sleep, but but go but but, but do get in touch and tell us what do you do with your arms when you dance. Let us know mm. through the usual channels. I'm quite interested. You send us drawings and diagrams if you like. As well. People did that with the sleeping, and it was really I loved yeah. it. It was really interesting. Yeah, good. 
All right, that's it from this one. I think that's uh, that's that chat covered. We'll I think that's our best time. ever episode, by the way. So spread the word. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, we dealt I mean, with a lot, mate. Death, sleeping, <laughs> dancing, fucking everything. What more do you want? Nile Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Airbase. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back with more soon. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.